Hey, hey, welcome to Horns Up. This is episode number, what? Which episode is it? 17? 18? Yeah. 17? 17, yeah. This is episode number 17. I'm Animesh. And I'm Peter. And today we are talking Amog Symphony. Yeah, man. The mysterious yet, I don't know, eccentric, if you want to call them. Yeah, uh, mysterious and eccentric. I think that those would be two good adjectives to use for Amog Symphony. Um, what's your Amok Symphony story? When did you first check them out? Or how did you chance upon them? Wow. So for those of you at least who've heard the initial episodes, you all have kind of dated and know how old animation I am. But I still remember the first time, I'm not sure who exactly linked it to me, or probably it was one of the RSG or Gigpad forums, but someone posted a MySpace link for this band called Amok Symphony and said, this is some amazing stuff. Does anyone know who this guy is? Because nobody knew who Amog Symphony... And with a name like Amog Symphony, it's a bit of a... Yeah, you know strange. it's Indian, but you don't know if it's some foreigner trying yeah. to sound Indian. But, and you didn't even know if it was one person or three or people. Or two people or three people. Or and whatever. then I hit yeah. play. And I think for the entire song, I was just like, what the hell is going on? Because this was like hyper sped up death metal riffs with like jazz parts in there and i was like okay is this guy even human yeah it's it's it was it's it's very avant-garde when you first checked it out right and this this was the album for those who've heard it uh abolishing Uh, the obsolete system yeah that was like with that artwork that yeah dude that woman no it was that woman breathing fire the tech robot woman breathing fire dude it was like crazy and then you know, figuring out that, okay, this is one guy named Vishal Singh who's done all of this. And uh, yeah, man, it was crazy just to hear it for the first time and realize that, okay, there's a guy who's playing this kind of music. Because if you look back, it's 10 years ago. This was far ahead most Indian bands. Absolutely. In all yes. aspects. Yes. Quick uh, side sidebar. Uh, Bombay scene question to you yeah. or Bombay scene trivia yeah. guess who introduced me to Amok Symphony by hard selling me a CD there can only be one person who does something like that who <laughs> Mr. Ashwin Sharma holy shit you win 10,000 points <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, he hard sold me the CD back when I think was it Big 69 or was it that that place in Burivli which oh is yeah. to host gigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, one of the two things. He sold me uh, abolishing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He sold me abolishing the obsolete system and oh my god, it was like the Matrix meeting metal. Yeah. But not just metal, uh, avant garde jazz metal, technical yeah. death metal. And it completely blew my mind. Um, the next release, Quantum Hack Code was even better, I thought. I thought it was a better album. Oh yeah. Storytelling wise. Now just to go back a second, for those of you listening to it and haven't heard uh, abolishing the obsolete system, this predated Gent. This Correct. predated yeah, bands yeah. like Chim uh, Spanner, and, and Hydrogen, and stuff. Hydrogen, uh, animals as leaders, and stuff like that. So, hearing this prior to you know the sound becoming more mainstream and or popular, more popular, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was crazy. But yeah, yeah it was. Quantum Hapcode uh, had a lot going on. I mean, again, I feel this was still ahead with its storytelling. So you had 
every alternate track which Correct. was an intro which, yeah. and stuff like yeah. that which i think had like polarizing reviews because they also released a version without the intros yeah. what was your take on that album i i um as i said i enjoyed quantum hackwood more than i did abolishing um and i think i liked it because i'm a huge sucker for concept albums yeah. as such overall yeah. and i like listening to like one cd in entirety or so one album in entirety so the album overall had more of um or it clamored for more attention yeah. or it actually forced me to listen to it far more deeply than abolishing did and um, of course this is prior to like streaming and singles and stuff like course, that of course so you, you are listening to cds yeah. in entirety yeah. like you only carry one cd with you or two <laughs> cds with you at tops if you want variety in your days music <laughs> 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 but yeah i remember wearing that cd out so much so i actually asked ashwin sharma i think for another copy which i still don't have i think i can get you one <laughs> uh, it's okay i have the mp3s now i think <laughs> i okay uh since we are speaking about this in the iTunes demise week uh i would catalog all my things very well and so i still have those mp3s nice yeah anyways the days of winamp <laughs> kicking your llama's ass anyways we digress too much let's bring it back to amok symphony um of course after that is when i remember after uh, quantum hackcode is when the world began to take notice of vishal j singh yeah. and like uh, the forums and everything else myspace etc were rife with uh, just discussion about who this guy is and why this guy may be the next frontier for the indian music scene overall like yeah. he became heralded as the guy who could do no wrong right and then after that we your vector scan yeah and i i'm pretty sure like this is so i've known vishal and been in touch with him for years mm-hmm. and uh, i quote him post the release of vector scan he's like people are going to hate it <laughs> <laughs> everyone who's heard the previous stuff is just going to hate it and yeah it was a very left field release after yeah. setting up the expectation uh once you've heard quantum as well as abolishing yeah and i think with the release of their latest uh, dual release it's a double album uh, four part 1 and part 2 if you listen to this and then go back to vector scan i it think makes it makes a lot, a lot of sense. more sense yeah completely agreed with you because i think now um amok symphony is finally um what's the word i'm trying to find is finally like he was always supremely confident but i think now he doesn't care about the world accepting him yeah and it, right? it, it he's reached a stage uh, where he's like this is what i'm doing this is my music and yeah that's yeah. it i do, i yeah I, that's the best way for an artist and i'm doing air quotes again which obviously people can't see because it's an audio podcast but he is an artist yeah and amok symphony is his art project yeah it I, i that's how i would classify it and i think that's a great way of putting it also i don't know if it's the ideal thing from a listener point of view yeah but uh, yeah as as somebody who's followed uh, their discography for a while i mean come on you are, if you're expecting like an iron maiden or a judas priest then you know where you or yeah, like acdc a, for like, example exactly so i think there's a distinction here there is a commercial band yeah uh and there is a non commercial project and 
both of them have the right to make fantastic music whether it is whether it be for commercial reasons or not but uh, one can clearly classify amok symphony as a non commercial project in my head i and i i don't think uh, vishal would disagree with you also mm-hmm. because uh, the way he's looking at it or the way he's uh, making the music and this goes back to even uh, our last episode where we were talking to daniel tompkins where you know he talked about the music and yeah music being a release for you and i'm noticing more of a trend with bands that our artists that i listen to where for them music is more of a release or something they need to do as opposed to okay i need to put in this album because i'm contractually obligated, obligated. i need to, to do tour it. over yeah. it yeah those were the old days yeah. yeah and i think this is probably a result of the newer age of record labels the music industry being more democratic in a I way i think it's also to do with technology being so yeah. easily available now than it was in the past yeah. i mean you you are completely there's no boundaries of uh, i mean come on we are doing this in a room with a zoom h4n recorder with two cheap mics uh, plugged into them yeah right who would have thought like even 10 years ago that we'd be able to do this no, true. right true. yeah yeah anyways um okay so let's get it back on track uh amok symphony is out with as you said a double album the yeah. first part was Both parts uh, yeah so no the first part was really i think released 7th may and the second part 20th. was released 21st may yeah um you can check them out of course and what we also recommend that you guys do is you log on to amoksymphony.org okay which is the website for amok symphony and before diving into the album just read through the lovely exhaustive as fuck uh liner notes yeah. or faqs that vishal's put up and i think it adds a lot of context to the album in there completely it does it 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 fundamentally um uh, to a lay person it explains or kind of kind of helps you understand where vishal is and i'm sorry i know amok symphony is a multi people band but to me it's it's amo it's a vishal's band yeah and you know we'll get we'll get together into so the di- the main difference i see in this album versus their previous releases i mean of course vector scan and uh, was two of them on drums yeah. and you had uh, vishal but this time you've got four very distinct personalities there so mm-hmm. you've got uh, tom andre uh, derek and uh, vishal and i'm not going to give too much away but i'm seeing them coming into a their own as a band possibly very soon yeah but i think the driving force behind this still remains vishal right so yeah. anyways now not to discount the other members in it at all um okay yeah so coming back to that amoksymphony.org please go up please read everything before you continue with this podcast and before you continue with this podcast um also check out both the albums now let's quickly discuss the album sure yeah what did you make of four uh part 1 part 2 i mean i can understand why they've separated them into two parts uh they each each part has like a part of the uh, a mix of their own mm-hmm. with instrumental now this is the first time also they've introduced 
like distinct vocal parts vishal singing you have his mom uh, also yeah. in there and stuff yeah. like that so that's a bit of uh, things uh, and so many samples yeah across both parts yeah i mean man there's so much going on so it is yeah it it takes a lot from you to keep listening to it it's not something that you can put on in the background yeah. um the closest mainstream release i would relate to this in this year would be empath yeah right And because it's uh, it's like if you were to give vishal the kind of money that devin put on empath i don't know what what vishal would make because Dude, he i just think like yeah like i think amol symphony would would probably make the most um what's the word eclectic yeah not just eclectic but the most uh, confounding if that could be a word to describe it Dude, i'm i'm now that you're saying it i'm just trying to think of all those choir parts on empath exactly, put it in yeah. an amog symphony album because i know there's a brass band on here uh-huh. in uh, the amog symphony so i'm just looking quickly at through the track list um straight up if you listen to most of the songs uh, the one that really stands out uh, on the first part for me is uh, everything is now in the eye of the sun mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's the that more one. like single yeah. one it has yeah. like that haunting uh, catchy chorusy part uh, but yeah man there's a lot going on in there uh, i quite actually a, quite I, I, i ended up enjoying the second part more than i did the first yeah and i think that's why they've separated yeah. it in a way yeah. so you there's going to be people who are instantly going to like one part more than the other mm-hmm. and if you had it as an entire album it would just be quite an exhaustive listen it yeah in so, in the two parts it yeah. already is i mean there's a lot going on there's so much going on that you need to force yourself to keep revisiting parts just to wrap and, your heads around that and just going back to our conversation earlier about technology and stuff imagine with the limitations of say your cassette or your cd which you had which was 90 mm-hmm. or 80 minutes you wanted to make as the an independent yeah. yeah so you'd like record till like the last 78th 79th minute or fill yeah. as much yeah. as you yeah. can yeah. Yeah. or with the cassette you'd like distinctly have two parts in their side a side mm-hmm. b and stuff with technology like this since this is primarily a digital release now you can easily do this yep. and it's so much more different uh and it's the consumer at the end of the day now unfortunately when they're day of streaming where people are more into singles yeah but uh, coming back to part 2 what was your favorite track of part 2 uh, oh the uh, the first track the cats one yeah. that completely got me by surprise because i wasn't um i mean the the title of the track itself which is cats can in narnia yeah uh that title itself throws you for a curveball and then when that opening section kicks in and yeah. you hear the meow <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah it's it's like an in inside joke or something but yeah. I'm I'm probably sure there's there's a lot more to it than just that but that was a treat to listen to uh the final track which has that lovely assamese uh, vocals folk, on yeah. it yeah, yeah folk song on it that's that's beautiful um overall I so here's my take on the entire album overall I feel that this is a uh, more of a personal record true um i completely um will will say that this is an exploration of craft okay this is essentially an artist trying to push his boundaries and see where he can push them to increase his limits and 
with that as the context, you begin to enjoy the album a lot more. To a casual listener, this will not, uh, this won't be an easy listen, and neither will it be something that everybody will gravitate towards. But I think that's with a lot of metal in general. I mean, of course, unless you pick your certain artists and things like that. If you if you look back at the artists that we initially enjoyed and stuff like that with metal, the reason why we listen to those artists or we enjoy those artists and say 10 other people don't, that there's a alluring factor to it or there's something that has attracted of us. Of course. What I'm trying to say is, um, is this accessible music? No, it's not. And so if it's not accessible, A, automatically the number of people who listen to it will come down. Yeah. But even to those number of people, it'll take f time for them to actually digest this or enjoy this. Yeah. Which is not to say that this is a bad album or a bad listen or not a rich experience because it definitely is a rich experience. It's just an acquired taste. And it's quite an immersive experience. It I is mean. like once, yeah, and it's best heard on uh, best heard on headphones. Yeah, you need to just wrap yourself and cocoon yourself in that sound. Yeah, right. So this this is not an album you can like listen to while working or kind of yeah doing or or other while working or out yeah or something of that sort. You need to pay attention to this because that's the best way to enjoy it. So yeah. I think we agree on that. True. Yeah. Completely. Wow. So. Uh, we've spoken about Amok Symphony for quite a bit. We've kind of uh, reviewed or just opined upon four, both parts one and two, um, which leaves us with an interview, which this time, Peter, you're doing solo. And I apologize for not being able to join you on that day. And Vishal, I know you're listening to this. So my apologies. I hope to catch up with you at some other time. I just couldn't be there for various other reasons. But Peter, you went all the way up to Thane to record this. Yeah, man. Agreed it was a Sunday and it was kind of easier to reach there than most parts of Bombay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was quite nice to catch up with Vishal after a while. Uh, even though we've been in touch online and WhatsApp and what have you. Mm -hmm. uh, it was good to finally catch up in person, uh, speak about a lot of things, uh, but most importantly, speak about four. So... Let's dive in and listen to that interview then. Yep, let's do that. I'm excited to listen to it. Here is Vishal J. Singh from Amok Symphony in conversation with Horns Up's Trent Russia. So yeah, we're here at uh, Studio 604 in Thane. Got my good friend uh, Vishal J. Singh here. <laughs> Welcome to Horns Up, Vishal. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, it's, I'm glad we could finally sit down and get yeah, a chance to do this. It's been a long time, isn't it? Yeah, I appreciate you taking out the time also, man. You're yeah, I have to, <laughs> especially when uh, Peter is here. <laughs> I mean, you, you're one of the few closest uh, friends who actually listen to my music since quite a long time. Yeah, and so. actually we'll get, get into the history <laughs> a little bit. But just to warm things up a little bit... Yeah. Uh, your fourth album, long awaited, I must add, yeah. and at least the first part has been released. So, how does it feel, man? Uh, feels like uh, well, actually, I'm feeling very relieved. Okay. Because uh, you know that uh, the first 
stages writing of all the songs then second stage producing you know finalizing structures and then the third stage you wait for the release thing which is quite a stressful and it's it's like uh, sometimes even though you you it's completely your own baby and uh, you want it to be heard but some somewhere deep inside you get that feel uh, are people going to like it or not you know it it happens at least once yeah so that feel was there but uh, it uh, came out feeling much relieved and my bandmates are quite happy because they were supposed to kill me if i'm not <laughs> like i i've been warned by my bandmates like three times if you're not releasing this album this year uh we are actually thinking of hiring someone to kill you <laughs> <laughs> we we we'll, we'll get more into that but you know at uh, on the podcast and in previous episodes what we've done is talked about you know just how our past guests have got into music metal specifically so let's start off with you know what was it like growing up for you like i know that you've come from a musical family so mm-hmm. what is the kind of music that was playing growing up how is it right. really uh, i started music at a very early age about 5 or 6 years old but i started as a listener okay and uh, initially i when uh, uh, i discovered music i think i discovered at my uh, uh, late grandmother's house where uh, she uh, she used to teach uh, different instruments piano uh, you know western classical jazz um, traditional assamese songs and then uh, like another room my uncle uh, like he's a flamenco spanish style guitar player so he's teaching you know all uh, other styles of music and we have another uncle who is a percussionist and uh, this is very distracting i think we need to stop yeah yeah okay cool cool can we stop so we're sticking to a morga huh? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yes <laughs> right so vishal tell me about so you come from a musical family what was it like growing up what is the kind of music you were listening to uh earlier i i listened to a lot of music uh, uh it was not just rock and roll uh, a lot of western classical a lot of Hindustani classical also a lot of uh, Spanish music uh, but mostly a lot of folk music okay and then uh, my brother introduced me to like heavy metal right. and uh, that was i think i was like uh, around 10 11 years old <clears throat> and what was it like i mean what is the first album if i can oh ask? yes it was very it was a cassette called guns and roses band, that the band was called guns and roses of course everyone knows the album was spaghetti incident oh wow okay and strangely most of the, i think all of them are covers if i'm not wrong yeah 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 uh so covers played by a glam rock band but in a very different style so that i think uh, that was something that i really liked dude i still remember i must add this i still remember listening to spaghetti incident and i'm yeah. a huge guns and roses fan and i was like okay what's going on on this album who are these guys man so, <laughs> these are not the guys who wrote appetite for destruction and stuff like that and then i look and i look it up and realize it's covers so yeah yeah so it was a uh, so basically you're getting the point the first uh, uh, metal album i would say metal because that was very heavy for me and uh, i just realized that these are cover songs these are not their original songs 
and after that my uh, brother's best friend he asked me like what all bands do you listen to and he, uh, he and i was like mm, i think guns and roses is my favorite band i was very young that time yeah. he said that is not metal bro <laughs> okay then what is metal he made me listen to sepultura oh wow <laughs> and sepultura then he made me listen to some other bands uh, i think uh, yeah iron maiden wow uh metallica did not like metallica at all at first but i loved iron maiden so much so much that it actually inspired me to learn the iron maiden songs on drums wow so uh, the first album was uh, uh, i think again it was a very underrated album x factor wow okay <laughs> so now this is the thing a lot of people that we've interviewed in the past talk about their shared love most of the musicians metallica iron maiden but i think you're the first person that has come on the show saying they liked x factor so i'm very curious <laughs> I know, to know why i know i know right so <laughs> when i actually listened to x factor uh, i was very uh, attracted to the whole i think the song arrangement it was very different for me the time signature changes the many changes uh, you know and that's i thought that's what the sound of armenian is but then i listened to the other albums and uh, i felt like those albums were a little outdated okay and and, and it was uh, you know a moment where i just felt like maybe they wanted to change the song writing the style or something then i was reading about the reviews in rsj and other magazines No, I think Rock Street Journal was the only Indian magazine at Dude, that time. Rock Street Journal. Yes, and, I mean Animation. I have pledged our love <laughs> and talked so much about it on the show. But uh, yeah, man, ha- props. We, to we used Cycle. to we used to travel to a different town to buy that magazine. I still remember that. But I think Rock Street Journal was the internet for us back in the day, and you know, yes, actually. that's the only way you'd read about what's happening in the indian scene international scene also there was no internet very true back very then, true man. uh rockstar journal was very responsible for uh the popularity about the local bands yeah. because i discovered and plus they used to come up with compilation cassettes yeah uh, it was very amazing because uh, there was no other medium to discover these bands yeah. and then when i heard millennium Oh yeah, uh, dude! Millennium uh, there. Early yeah, stuff. then I heard Moksha. Wow! Again, yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah, wow! We have such amazing bands in India. I mean, of course, I've seen bands in Northeast, but listening to these bands, uh, you know, it's it was a different experience. So it was a mix of everything. As in, uh, I listened to a lot of Indian artists. Plus, I've listened to a lot of. Uh, Who was your first Indian? I mean, other than Millennium and Moksha, the first Indian band that really had an impact in you? Oh, uh, it was actually a solo artist that was Trilok Gurtu. Wow! Yeah. So, uh, I was actually listening to by that time. I think I turned thirteen or something. I was listening to a lot of Led Zeppelin. Either John Bonham was one of my biggest influence on, as a drummer, and. Uh, My dad was saying that uh, Led Zeppelin is a great band, but uh, John Bonham is also amazing drummer. Uh, you should listen to Trilok Gurtu. I was like, um, okay, let me hear it. And when I heard it, I was uh, I, the f- I think it was the album called Crazy Saints. Okay, it was released in nineteen ninety two. All right. Uh, I was totally blown away by his time signatures, the way he plays the drums. It it sounded like no, n- like it. It doesn't sound like a drummer would play something like this. 
so i was very inspired and i was like it it's like you know you have a book of mathematics and you 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 are very curious to solve each and every problem yeah. so for me trilok's album crazy saints was like that and that i want to know what exactly he played how he played what are the techniques he used so that motivated me to spend a lot of time on the drums and similarly i discovered other guitar players so you know that's how usually i uh, started listening so it was a mix of jazz metal folk music all types of you know music so uh, it's uh i never i i never stopped listening to you know uh like uh, bands as in uh, from different genres sure because i wanted to make sure that if i'm listening to a particular song suppose if it's a if it's a jazz song uh, say there was a song by miles davis and there's a particular section in that song which i really like but i started you know fantasizing in my head what if this section comes after a very heavy breakdown <laughs> you, i'm not going to i know where you're going with this <laughs> and i'm sure a lot of people who've been listening to mock symphony <laughs> lately kind of getting the genesis of where these ideas are coming from but we'll hold on to those thoughts for a couple of minutes more okay. <laughs> i know you've established kind of that drums was the first instrument you picked up that's right. correct that's right i mean how many instruments do you play at the moment oh <laughs> i don't really at this point uh after years of playing i don't really consider myself as a proper instrumentalist i would i, I would love to add that because uh, i think i'm a very horrible drummer a very horrible guitar player a very horrible bassist a very horrible keyboard player uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you still manage i mean for for those who are listening to this and i've just heard what vishal said he's the guy that played the drums on the neo box symphony album but we'll hold that for a few minutes more but yeah man do you have have you taken uh, music lessons uh initially at beginning no honestly okay so it was all ear training uh i think my i would say uh my first uh, training was uh, that initially 4 5 years i only listened to music that really helped me to understand a lot of things hmm. and uh, it started with me visiting my grandmother's house and finding a soft spot a common soft spot i could say where i can hear all the different because there's one room where my grandma's teaching instrument to some kids there's another room in the house where m- one of my uncles is teaching guitar there's another room you know another uncle is teaching percussions so i found a spot in the house it's a big house right so i could hear all these things instruments together and they sound like something else because this sounds this yeah. sounds like i don't so, know musical paradise <laughs> to me man so it sounded very different to me that was my introduction to music that is something that i loved it you know that first love you, you know yeah so from then uh, from i think from that uh, moment onwards i've discovered my love for bringing different elements into the music so then i realized that i have to start listening to more more music to find out to know what all things happened in the past okay so that at least i can try to create something else but did 
So I'm not going to ask you the question. The most obvious question <laughs> is, did you want, know you wanted to have a band then? But so no formal music lessons at all? No, absolutely not. Wow. But uh, uh, later on, uh, my dad helped a little bit. Okay. And uh, my mom, she also helped. I studied the theory, but very, very much later. All right. Initial four, three, four years. Even my parents, my grandma, my uncles also said, let, let him learn by his own. Right. Because my uncle, uh, uh, like, uh, he's a very renowned music composer in Assam and eldest brother of my mom. So he told me that uh, you have to find your own sound and this is your time for five years. Right. We'll see because automatically at some point of time you will stop. Mm. And from that moment onwards, you will need the basics. So then we will teach you what music theory is all about. Wow. So that's how it started. <laughs> yeah, man. Shout out to your uncle for all that influence yes. he had in your yes. early life. Man. Yes, yes. Because that sounds like a very different perspective for most musician <laughs> families where it's like, you learn the piano. No, you learn this <laughs> no, instrument. No. <laughs> no, so my uncle, uh, I, I'm very thankful to my uncle, even my dad. So my dad was more into the intelligent side of songwriting. Okay. So the whole experimental thing actually came from my dad. But the whole musical, that feel, emotion perspective, the, the entire existence of emotions in music, that part came from my mom and from my uncle. Wow. Because uh, they are like completely into music. Although my dad was also a musician, but he was more into science and technology. He was like a wow. nerd guy. <laughs> so, you know. It sounds like a, I, I, I can see where, you know, the early <laughs> seeds of a mock symphony <laughs> was set, all the thing. But yeah, man, that's, that's great to, to hear this. But uh, any embarrassing recordings of your early bands that we might surface or anything that you've been trying to remove from the internet? Tell us about the <laughs> early bands that were there that you were part of. Uh, yeah, actually, my first band, uh, it was called uh, Touch and Tune. Which Where was, was this? This was a very long time back, man. I think it was 98 or something. But where was it? This it was in Assam. Okay. Assam. So uh, my cousin, uh, she was the vocalist. Uh, and uh, there was one guitar player, bass player. We used to play only covers mostly. You okay. know, uh, Bee Gees, Santana, and uh, ABBA. So it was good. Uh, initially, it was all good. But then, uh, like, you know, I'm talking about 98, 99. So, you know, all the Indian bands, they used to play a lot of covers. Yeah. I and mean, hardly there were anyone, any band who, uh, you know, worked on their originals. Except for a few bands, of course. Yeah. So, I was very bored of that whole thing that why do we have to play covers only? And even if we have to play covers, why can't we use, include our own ideas and make the covers a little interesting? And then it's like, because I was very young and non-experienced, so I used to hear these words like, no, <laughs> you can't play like this. It's a cover, so you have to respect the artist. You have to play exactly how the song is. And I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, uh, for me, the good, the good advantage uh, was that uh, I learned a lot of songs and uh, I st start observing the song arrangement, uh, how different it is to play a song in a studio, uh, write a song and playing, performing the same song on stage. So the difference, you can, f you know, you can figure out. There's always a difference on that. So uh, it really helped me that way. But uh, I think after that, I really wanted to play in a band who are like very, uh, 
heavy yeah. <clears throat> because I was uh, slowly getting into metal. And uh, I think. So wait, did you have a new metal phase? Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. That was that was. <laughs> Yeah, yeah Limbiscuit. Yes, Lincoln with Park. spikes. Which I had spike hair. Yes, <laughs> spiked hair. Are there, and are there embarrassing photos of you? Oh the my god! I don't even want anyone to <laughs> <laughs> see that. <laughs> we had a photo shoot, okay, in Pune. Pune was the yeah. Pune was the city when I started playing metal. Right. And my first band, uh, that was our second band, so it was called Infinite Ashes. Okay. Uh, Vedant. Koshik, famous vocalist who now sings for Third Sovereign. Yeah. So he used to be the vocalist in that band. And uh, I was in Bangalore and uh, I was supposed to become a doctor. Wow. First year MBBS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what kind of doctor I could be. <laughs> but yeah, that is, that's what happened. <laughs> so uh, I got a call from uh, Vedant. Uh, from He called me from Pune and said, Bro, we formed the band. By the way, Vedant, me, like all the band members in, from that band are from the same hometown. Okay. So Vedant called me over phone and says, bro, uh, we formed the... He, at first he said, we formed a thrash metal band and uh, we need a drummer. So I said, yeah, good. All the best. No, we want you as the drummer. And I thought, whoa, really? You want me to play? Like, what kind of songs? He says, we're going to play, uh, you know, Slipknot, Lamb of God. And then I was like, okay, are we going to play any originals? He says, yes, we do have originals. Okay, so we want your help to write down the songs, you know, compose the songs. Uh, are you interested to join the band? I said, totally, totally. But you're studying MBBS. What? What is MBBS? He <laughs> <laughs> says, will you be able to travel from Bangalore to Pune? I says, uh, if you can help me out with finding a place to stay in Pune, I'll just leave Bangalore immediately now. Wow. <laughs> so he said, okay, I'll, I'll, you, you're going to stay with me. And then uh, I asked my brother about this is the situation. He says, okay, go ahead. Wow. <laughs> what about mom and dad? He said, I will take care of the situation later. <laughs> First you go, do your stuff that you want to do. Because I did not want to become a doctor. Fair enough. Yeah. And uh, we packed the drum kit, uh, went to Pune. Started playing, started writing a lot, lot of songs, small jam rooms, sweaty jam rooms. And my drum kit was very big. So finding a jam room where I can fit my drum kit was the biggest problem. And, uh, you know, disturbed, angry neighbors complaining. <laughs> All that things happened uh, in Pune. We did f uh, a couple of shows. Actually, a lot of many shows we've done. Mm, response was pretty good. We played a lot of originals, a lot of uh, new metal covers. And again, uh, uh, I left the band uh, on after I think uh, eight months. I left the mm -hmm. band because the I I felt like uh, the uh, the songwriting, the whole uh, vision of the band was very lost. You know, it's it was just you know, uh, for me it's very uh, almost impossible to work with people, uh, musicians or any creative artist. Who, who lives with that mentality that the kind of music I make or I listen to is the most topmost and any other style of music is just like crap. Yeah. So that I find a little disturbing because that for me, it stops me from growing. Fair enough. And that was the problem with the band. And they just wanted to stick to playing new metal and the originals were just copy-paste kind of stuff. So and 
I was stopped from being, you know, the composer also. So I think we had a long uh, argument and I think it was Vedant's birthday. I, I hope he's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> so it was his birthday and uh, we and there's another band called Black Hole Theory was there. Yeah, Shah, one of the yeah, yeah, of course. Naveen, Naveen yes, was the Naveen drummer. Deshpande, then, who's, yeah. who's the mixtapes owner now. Yeah. So we had this uh, birthday party celebration and I... I got drunk actually we all got drunk and we had a big fight okay i think that was the last time i saw this guys <laughs> so how did so now that you talk about this where did and i kind of see where the genesis or the seeds for uh, a morgue symphony were kind of set in your childhood what was <laughs> so what kind of stemmed i mean of course you come from this uh, bad band experience where you were held back and stuff so at what point did you decide to start a morgue symphony Oh were you already thinking of a mock symphony no, uh, yeah. back then yeah so uh i started uh, writing the songs from a very early stage uh before i joined uh any band okay so i used to record some basic ideas i had this zoom 1010 guitar processor uh i think they stopped manufacturing this long time back and then uh, uh i always imagine how would it sound when i play these songs with an entire band and i tested tried these songs with uh, all the bands uh, which i was a i was as a part of uh, unfortunately it did not work out because uh, i think uh, uh, maybe people were not ready for that okay and maybe because uh, uh, it was little too uh, different for their taste yeah and uh, it's it, it was just lying there but i never stopped uh, making those ideas recording those ideas so i keep recording and keep writing and like from sometimes in between the jam i just show some of these riff, riffs guitar riffs and all this drum beat patterns to my bandmate and they're like yeah it sounds great man but way too complicated i don't think we can play this live i said no i just played it right in front of you <laughs> but it's it's interesting that you bring that point because uh I still remember so I lived in Dubai at this time right. and I was just kind of getting into or discovering the Indian metal scene and you know figuring out the different bands are there <laughs> and I knew you have you know you know where I'm coming from because you have this big <laughs> smile in your face because it's been 10 years since uh, abolishing the obsolete <laughs> system and I still remember the first time I heard the album or I can't remember which single for the life of me because it's been that long but <laughs> my reaction was no different from your bandmates at that time but i was like <laughs> is this an actual guy playing this and you know of course this was a time where you had a lot of people being trolls online or you know yeah. stealing stuff or like you know taking yeah, gigpad.com and, and rj so i was partly convinced that it could be a real person i was partly convinced that you know it's some guy trolling everyone there's no <laughs> way someone can actually play it so Yeah and I still remember being amazed and then slowly there were other friends of mine who were into the Indian scene who were like hey dude have you heard this Amog symphony guy who the hell is he like because no one really knew and I think this was the time pre social media also yeah. I think Facebook also wasn't no, around no no it was I, I I uploaded the entire album on myspace.com yeah i still yeah. remember the myspace was the thing yeah. i mean for those of you listening and don't remember myspace man you missed out mm, yes but, yes uh, <laughs> good yeah, old dude, days good old days and that's where you kind of discovered band so 
what was just tell me what was it like recording that album i mean i can't believe it's been over a decade since then what <laughs> right. are your memories of that wow uh, actually a lot of memories <clears throat> when i actually uh, finished like almost finished writing the songs uh i mean not produce of course uh, when i finished the songs i think by that time i already uh, came to bombay okay and i was studying audio engineering Right. Uh, under the guidance of Mujib Dadakar sir and then uh, Daman Sood these are all top engineers at that time also i wanted to uh, experiment with song music production and the whole aspect of uh, DAW and recording technology and i i had no other music to record except for my own songs uh, i also wanted to make a band get them to the studio and record the entire thing but just calculated the entire costing first uh, which was <laughs> like yeah, back yeah, then yeah. yes yes and hiring a studio for recording at that time like i'm talking about 2008 2009 yeah. was literally impossible and then i uh, uh talked i met i talked to many musicians top musicians in bombay uh so it's like uh, i mean all like good musicians are still amazing musicians uh, like if i uh, when i spoke to one of the drummers who was known to be one of the top till date uh, top jazz drummers in bombay so when i asked him like would you like to play the drums in these songs so he was very honest he told me that look i'm very comfortable with the jazz parts but the metal sections are impossible for me to play so you need to find someone who can play both both the styles then i found another drummer who was used to be one of the top death metal drummers i think you know him probably yeah uh he worked with trilok okay so uh at that time he was totally into uh you know extreme death metal and he was probably the probably the only drummer in bombay who could pull up like 200 plus bpm hyperblast okay. yeah. and uh, i asked him and he said i can play all the metal sections but the jazz sections are impossible for me to play then i spoke similarly i met guitar players you know asked them would you like to play the guitar parts they said no bro i can play the metal sections this is super complicated jazz for me then i asked an electronic guy uh, an electronics uh, artist and who was actually most he was actually a dj i asked him would you like to produce the electronic section he says uh, I don't know how to compose this kind of electronic sections especially in a song like this. This is jazz, this is metal, what would you call it? I don't know. So I don't have a vision for this. I cannot help you. Then in the end I just realized that okay, uh this is not going anywhere. I would record it myself playing all the instruments. And that's how it just happened. I just begged uh, my senior Mr. Sood that sir please give me the studio for two days uh, let me record it yes, hang on you recorded the entire album in two days yes yes wow so it was all uh, me doing multi takes and stuff and uh, i had to because uh, uh, i got the studio for free yeah and uh, so all the rest uh, job whatever editing mix po- uh, post work with the mixing mastering was done at my friend's studio okay uh, that was a different vibe because i could not get the studio for that and i had no money to yeah. you know invest on it so i recorded everything and i was actually a little uh uh what would you call 
unhappy with the fact that I came to Bombay with the hope that I'll find better musicians. But that did not work out. So, and everybody's like, you need musicians to record an album. Why would you play everything by yourself? You're not an expert. You need better musicians, better instrumentalists to play these songs. And I was totally against that thought. So that's why I named the albums Abolishing the Obsolete System. But tell me, now that you've gone so much into this, were you surprised with the response? What was the whole reaction? Or what were you expecting back then from the album? Uh, well, the album was... Uh, it's a way... I, I have this nature that if I write a song, if I compose a song, I cannot let it rot inside my computer. But this is like if it's it's if I say it's to, today I compose a song, and if it's uh, lying in my uh, DAW in my computer for more than two months, I start getting those anxiety feels and it just starts disturbing me. You know, it's it's like uh, something is not going out of your mind. This needs to go out. Okay. So uh, abolishing was that al- album that I actually wanted to share with people, and I. Very honestly, frankly speaking, I did not really think about what will happen. But uh, I used to uh, read all those forums yeah, of yeah. you know progressive music and everything, and you know the Yahoo chat days, metal Dude, chat. Because if if I'm not mistaken, this is a clear case of like something going viral. Because this, I don't think there was any PR around it no, or anything. Not else. at all. Not at and all. And I'm hundred percent sure there wasn't any message someone sent. It was probably someone posting on the RSG or Gigpack forums. Yes. And that's it. Yes. And I'm yes. pretty sure, did anyone even know who Vishal J. Singh was back no, then? No, no, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. I have to make, uh, I have to tell you one more thing about this. So, uh, at the same time, I used to visit to the studios and filmmakers and production houses because I wanted uh, job, you know, yeah. as a songwriter, as a producer. Uh, in those days, you know, uh, you have to give your CD as a showreel Correct. to them. They listen to it and they get back to you. That was uh, like, you know, used to happen in those days. Yeah. And then I realized this thing was not working. So I had to make a shout. Like what exactly I am, what I'm capable of. So that was also one of the intention of releasing the album, Abolishing, Abolishing the Obsolete System. So I started getting a lot of good response, comments. The number of plays was super amazing. So next, after the album release, when I used uh, when I used to meet these producers, filmmakers, uh, do you want to share any of your showreel work? I said, just Google search my band's name. Mock <laughs> <laughs> Symphony. It's just the first link appears on myspace.com. Yeah, is this your band? Yeah. Oh, you have quite some fans, huh? People are liking your music. Yeah. So this is the psychology I noticed that they they want someone who has the ability to become a little popular, not that he's a very good songwriter or something. Because right. they've noticed, they first they've seen all the comments, the number of plays, likes, then they started playing the music, st- started streaming the music, and then they thought, huh, this is something interesting happening. This is little interesting music is going on. Uh, I really like the second song, which is, I'm listening to right now. So now I say, would you like to give me some work? It's said, great, I will... I have this film project. Would you like to help me out with the background score? Yes. So, I mean... That's some vital tips for <laughs> upcoming songwriters and producers. <laughs> but let's fast forward a bit because uh, for people who've been following your discography a bit, they would have... Or at least someone like me. <laughs> there was a stark change in the sound on your third album, Vector Scan. I right. mean, 
if i can quote you on this uh when we spoke just before the release of the album you were like everyone's going to hate it <laughs> so tell me what actually you, a lot of people hated it <laughs> no yeah, so what kind of kind of inspired or got you to change this sound yeah so uh my first album like already you mentioned abolishing the upper system yeah. that was released in 2009 yeah uh after that the second album was the quantum hack code uh, 2010 immediately next year yeah. so uh and and if i could put it in a kind of genre this was easily like technical metal yes uh, my, i would say uh progressive yeah. rock technical death metal with a lot of electronic influences yeah because uh, i noticed that uh, uh when i was working on these songs uh I could not I I I used to be very regular in the forums where I read people musicians fans talking about what is good what is bad what kind of music should we listen to you know like the future sound of bands they discuss like some fan, like some guys in the forum talk about I wish we could have a band who can who could write song like Jatrotel at the same time you could write a song like uh, Cryptopsy <laughs> so you know I used to read all these things and they used to hit my mine all the time wow people do believe in these kind of ideas yeah i mean there are few of them but still there are possibilities what if these possibilities become real yeah so uh, the, so when the quantum hack code came out after that uh, i just uh, wasn't happy with the sound although the response was pretty amazing the most popular was i think the quantum hack code yeah and we had some super sales also for that uh, the problem was uh i noticed all other bands from us and europe was doing the same style of music yeah and this i think what you're talking about was also the rise of what now everyone <laughs> kind of looks down upon but yes i'm going to say it the gent <laughs> word yeah. <laughs> yeah man this is when like progressive rock or progressive metal became <laughs> gent and then everyone kind of took Maybe, that sound and yes, it became yes. the template man Yeah and and uh, unfortunately you can say I wouldn't say unfortunately actually uh Animals's leaders also released their album yeah. and Tossin he texted me like bro like I love your stuff that's like hey great so uh also a lot of fans a lot of people started comparing the sound with Animals's leaders because uh coincidentally our sound was a little similar because I used to play a lot of tapping and some advanced guitar playing techniques yeah. and Tossin was also into that and Tosin's sound was also mixed with electronica and Amok Symphony's sound was also same so it was not uh, something that i was comfortable with because and then i saw a lot of other bands started following the same sound and this is something which is in my nature i'm born with this nature actually i can't change that if something becomes very popular like even if it's my own creation i immediately start hating it it means that i'm outdated Vishal, <laughs> there's a word for it. It's called your old school. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm old school with that, <laughs> right? So, uh, no, but I, I really wanted to go a little above songwriting. Okay. I wanted to change it because I felt like I need to work on my songwriting more because uh, whatever uh, is happening now, I have to be able to express myself honestly. and a mock symphony is very personal to me i mean each and every song that you listen to it's coming from the experience not just musical experience but also you know what life uh, taught me in all these years 
so I felt like if I have to express myself properly, then I need to make sure that I stand slightly different or slightly taller. I wouldn't say taller. Uh, you have to make a voice that people would listen to. Like somebody had said something which is not common these days. So for me, it was very important and I decided to not release any album at least for the next four or five years. Okay. And after that, I just uh, restarted, you know, working on my old song ideas, you know, basics, uh, music theory, going back to the basics. And then uh, vectors can just happen and just, oh, yes, now let me produce this album. Yeah. And Vector Scan was very different. Yeah. yeah and now on your latest album, <laughs> you're joined by Tom. I'm not going to get into his, uh, his <laughs> okay. surname. It's, it's, uh, we call him Tom Gelschlager. Gelschlager. Okay. Gelschlager. Who most I people hope. would know uh, as Fount Fountainhead. Fountainhead. Uh, right. The ex guitarist of Obscura. He's also played live with uh, Defeated Sanity. Yes. And I don't know how many more bands, man. But <laughs> also, you've got. Uh, Derek Gomes. That's right. Uh, again, am I missing out on any bands or anything else he's been a part oh, of? Oh, no. Actually, Derek, I, I would like to mention uh, a lot of people have been asking me. Derek is from Portugal, but he's actually uh, an Indian. Okay. He's from Bombay. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> Derek used to work. He's a brilliant songwriter, but okay. his specialty is uh, he's a mix of a sound engineer okay. and an electronic artist. Right. And uh, he's also a brilliant vocalist and songwriter. Right. He uh, used to work with Ram Sampath. Okay. And, and then uh, he moved to Portugal. Okay. And you've got also Andre Sajnov. That's right. Who, again, is a multi-instrumentist. An Andre Sajnov is probably the most talented member in the band. Like, all three of us are, like, nowhere close to his skill when it comes to, you know, experimental sounds. But, but here's the million-dollar question. Yes. How do four of you form a band together? I mean, how did the three of them decide to be a part you of know, the Mock Symphony? You know, Peter, the best thing is, we can actually, we, we've t I talked about this uh, with Derek, we can actually have a fight and break up tomorrow. And day after tomorrow, we can just write a song together. Why? We're not a touring band. Doesn't even matter that we're together or not. <laughs> yeah, and actually you've kind of picked a question in mind, but I'm going to ask that later. But, yeah, man. How does... Uh, how, so just tell me if you could briefly, uh, quickly tell me how did each one of them get on board uh, right. on the album? So, uh, more than instrumentalists, I was looking for songwriters and producers. Why? Because working with an instrumentalist means, like, say, if you, if you have a bass player as a member. So, uh, sometimes it's not necessary, but in my case... I'm expecting the bass player to be a little more than a bass player. Means he needs to know what exactly the song is. And when I'm playing something on the guitar or drums, he needs to have that vision as a songwriter, but not as like, you know, you know, I have no interesting part to play in the song. And these kind of thoughts, it's some, it happens in many bands, in progressive yeah. rock bands, and, you know, technical death metal bands. So I, I, I was looking for members who are into the more or less the same kind of field of work like i'm a music composer and producer 
and my uh, main source of income is composing music for films yeah. ads and stuff which means you must know at least 10 15 different genres of music and you you need that uh, skill to write different styles of songs and this whole mindset of songwriting this whole mindset is very different from someone who has a day job and plays in a band yeah. and i was looking for someone like me you know and it took me some time to figure that out but andre is like that so andre is uh, he teaches music and he is a very brilliant composer he makes music for ads and games and stuff then derek also makes music for ads jingles and films background scores so you get the point my music is very concept based yeah so i use my skill as a background music composer as well so i don't have to tell them what exactly is required so andre does never comes to me and ask me that bro uh i need a piano solo in this i have to play a piano solo no these kind of conversation never happened between us so i must cut you off for a second cuz <laughs> you've kind of eaten into my next question <laughs> how is the songwriting process if you have like with most bands if you look at it there's a primary songwriter right. but here in a way it's four <laughs> literally so who generally comes up with the song idea at least for the last album oh well it's a uh, mixed i would say uh our songwriting style is an in four uh, was very different from the first three albums yeah. because uh uh first of all i used to think of ideas and concepts and stuff like that and then you know start recording the parts composing the tunes melodies so my uh, my personal when i start with myself as a songwriter uh, especially for a mock symphony which are mostly instrumental songs right so it's very important for me to uh, plan out chart out the entire song right on my head like i tell this as a uh, like my own daw which is inside my brain so i imagine the song as a storyline which helps me to think about the dynamic ups and downs and But the changes I'm sorry I'm cutting you short here yeah. but because for me as a listener yeah. a lot of the music like if you take uh, from the early albums primarily right uh, it's very visual and story driven so <laughs> does the story come first for you or the music or how does no, it work you it used to be only f- story first and then music later but we discovered from this uh, vector scan onward like uh, when i finished vector scan i just realized that it can be you can write a musical piece and then plan up an entire story on that and then we figured out you can actually come up with more than 15 20 stories based on the same song yeah yeah this is that's also a perspective yeah. because we are instrumental song yeah so instrumental can be and it can be anything True. and this is again the definition of avant the garde and it also if you think about it uh, the beautiful part of, i mean for those of you who have heard the album right. is that four of us is sitting in a room can listen to the exact same song but have complete personal uh, yes. experiences about it and yes. i mean i'm kind of giving away but this is the same discussion we had uh, with nolan lewis on our uh, iron maiden uh, discussion oh, no- nolan from cryptos yeah from I- cryptos i love that guy man yeah <laughs> so we were having a discussion about how for all of us iron maiden was completely different each one of us had a complete personal experience and that exactly. was the beauty of yes. that music to go back to what you're talking about right, right man we've <laughs> talked a lot about the music <laughs> and the album and your history um uh, let's play it let's listen to a track from the album which one and please tell us why 
uh, I would like to play the song. Uh, it's called uh, Birds. Okay. It's uh, from I think AS Four Part Two. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that song is I'm very proud of. Uh, it it has a music video out, and uh, the song is when I I was writing the song. Uh, it was dedicated to the whole concept was uh, dedicated to uh, the whole internet generation where people you know make trolls people big be- people become memes and uh, the whole argument on each other and how there's a invisible fight between the real feminist and the pseudo feminist and you know all these uh, arguments all these things that sometimes we think it's quite entertaining but at the same time it's affecting us when we consider it as a entertainment so that's why i named it uh, birds because uh, birds are like free they they can free they're f- free to fly anywhere but like it's it's a question that is this freedom really creating some mess because are we getting too much freedom to do everything right so and that on that like, note here's birds from the second part of mock symphony 4 
Right, and that was Birds from Mog Symphony 4, the second part. So, is this a premiere of sorts for the track? I don't know. <laughs> if, unless you watch the music video. But uh, yeah, man, just moving on uh, quickly for the album. You've got some great guests. I mean, for those of you who've read the liner notes, which quite extensive, I must say, Vishal put up. You've got, of course, the legendary Sean Reinert from Cynic, uh, Vritam, Vritam, Chanko, Vritam Sankakoti. Yeah, yeah uh, yes. Deep Sikia. Yes. And of course, not to forget your mom, uh, Kasturi Kast- Nath Singh. Yeah. Yes. So how does, I mean, you've already got four members of a band how does you get further guests and of course big names also man <laughs> yeah uh i think the biggest name is uh, is sean sean winnert how did that happen uh, it's uh yeah it's, it's a nice uh, story so uh my very good friend uh, anton so anton uh used to work with uh, sick drummer magazine okay and he's a very good old friend and he's someone who keeps promoting uh, Amok Symphony in US. I mean, if Amok Symphony is known in US for, you know, among the musicians, it's because of Anton, because he keeps promoting. Yeah, man. Shout out to Anton. Keep doing that. Yes. You know? <laughs> he's a very good friend, close friend and a brother. So uh, <laughs> I was asking Anton that uh, I was thinking to invite a guest musician on this album, like at least for one song. Um, do you have someone in your mind and he took the name Sean and Sean Renard are you out of your mind no (laughs) Sean is a good friend of mine I can talk to him about this and if he likes the music he would love to play and uh, Sean uh, 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 Anton introduced uh, Sean you know and in the mail and I was not expecting to hear such a you know welcome behavior welcome uh, generous feel from him because he was so nice, Sean. Yeah. And I told him that, uh, you know, I'm actually a big fanboy. Of course. I'm having too. a moment right now. I've seen you with that, uh, you know, the v music video. I actually followed your drum playing style. And he was, and he was so nice that, oh, I've seen you. I heard your music a lot, man. I mean, it's out of the world. And he just said that. I was like, wow. (laughs) So it's a big lesson. And then I asked him, like, would you like to play a song with me? He says, definitely. I said, "Uh, I will send you all the songs. You choose which song you would love to play. And he said, I would love to play a song called Enduring Freedom since 1947. Yeah. And that's quite cool to hear, man. Especially... (laughs) From uh, a legendary musician like that, I had the good fortune of. I, actually, it was quite it was quite a learning process for me because uh, uh, Sean he completely wrote all the drum parts, and it sounds very different. And I really loved his vision because he, Sean is also a brilliant music composer. Yeah. He does music for a lot of uh, films and ads in US. So again, his vision as a you know m- someone who makes music for films and stuff so we talked on that basis you know that uh, our experiences making music for films and everything he talked about his uh, experience and it was a, more of a personal chat yeah. and it was very it was very uh, inspiring and he 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 gave me a lot of uh, motivation to you know work on my music and he keeps saying that this is sounding really amazing i think uh, what you can do is this and that and he was very open-minded. It, it's very hard to find metal musicians that yeah. that open-minded. 
No, I agree. And I actually had the good fortune of seeing uh, Cynic live once. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things which completely struck me to what you're talking is uh, the cool part was... Uh, Sean was actually at the merch stall post the gig. I, I saw I saw that picture. Yeah, man, I sent it to you. When, yes. It was really cool because you'd never think uh, for a band like that, they'd be Amazing. standing at the merch stall meeting fans post gig. So yeah, that was one of the highlights of that weekend for me, man. Uh, a great guy, man. Great yeah. guy. Talk, talking about vision, uh, do you feel now looking back uh, that your vision for Morg Symphony has changed from your first album to now and um, what would you attribute uh, I wouldn't say the vision has changed the vision is still the same okay it's very honest uh, expression it's a freedom of expression and art for me and uh, I never made I never started a Moog Symphony to frankly I never started a Moog Symphony to be a touring artist or someone who is going to sell a lot of CDs or something because I, you know it's a psychological state what you see what you hear so for me i was introduced music at a very early age so it's it's growing and it's growing yeah. and it's growing no so you i really love to learn so much about myself through music and uh, you know plus like i'm now 30 plus <laughs> so uh, the taste in music hasn't changed a lot i still listen to all kinds of music like i if i have, today if i feel like listening to some very heavy stuff from the 80s of uh, I would love to listen to that if I feel like listening to some new band like discover on the internet so it's very important for me and that's something that keeps me alive as a songwriter you always get influenced by your surrounding okay and uh, the vision is still the same that uh, the music whatever I'm trying to you know speak out whatever I learned in my childhood I think I want to share it with the musicians and people that are all around the world uh it's let it grow automatically like naturally the way exactly how i was born like how i grown up with uh, the music and the whole uh, perspective of songwriting uh i think that is more important for me and uh, yeah style has changed i don't really <laughs> enjoy playing very technical heavy stuff anymore but um, who knows maybe the next album can <laughs> have some moments i'm i'm sure there are some fans of the first couple of albums that are like yay at this point <laughs> but now this is again a little toughy for sorts so listening to your latest album a lot of people might describe it as art for art's sake would you agree to that disagree why i wouldn't mind if they call it pop to be very frank okay I wouldn't mind if they call it something else like in Quantum Hackot someone came up this came up with this title called soundtrack metal and someone uh, wrote robot jazz about vector scan so a lot of people have their own you know <laughs> way of uh, expressing and uh, interpreting so I'm cool with anything if it can be just art rock it can be I want the god rock it can be progressive rock um honestly yeah, i mean i'm cool with anything <laughs> uh you talked about the videos so one video i really must ask since it's out uh, everything is now in the eyes of the sun yeah it's quite a haunting and dark <laughs> video if i could say so yes what was your brief to niranjan who's kind of worked on the video what was your idea oh, how did you approach it really 
Yeah, so Niranjan was uh, my bandmate Andre's discovery. Okay. So he told me that there is one guy in India. Do you know him? Like who? And Niranjan Raghu. So I've never heard this name before. He's from Bangalore and he linked me up to his some of his works, Niranjan's works. And I was like very impressed. Like I have never seen anyone doing this kind of visions and he's a like he's a master in 3D. And one thing I must add about the video for those of you who have not seen it, it's not your typical band video. Four guys in a dark jam room or stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. This is very abstract, artsy mm. kind of stuff. Yeah, so uh, Niranjan is uh, into art filmmaking. So he's he's an avant-garde filmmaker. So he makes short films. And he's also a very good music composer, by the way. He okay. also produces some interesting ambient music stuff. So the communication was not a big problem. Because he knows musically how it is and he can connect it visually. So uh, I approached Niranjan. Um, I asked him that, would you like to make a music video for this? Now, before I approached him, I actually discussed, uh, uh, discussed the concept of making music videos with my bandmates. And they all agreed that instead of we being appearing in the music video playing with a green chroma background, we better work on the... The, the theme of the songs because a lot of people don't understand what exactly are we talking about in the songs so let's take two songs and we make music videos now this is the most trickiest part so with Niranjan uh, the concept of uh, the song everything is now in the eye of the sun was very different when we were when we were writing it okay the concept was very different okay. it was related to the sun but it was very different the lyrics are written by Derek Mostly okay. by Derek. Uh, then we composed, we wrote the song in a way that it can mean anything. It, I mean, any, any listener who listens to the song can relate the song to something else also, something which is personal. Then uh, Niranjanam was asking me that, uh, do you have a particular concept? Do you have a thought behind the song? I said, we have many thoughts. But in this case, we want you to see from your own vision. Like say, you don't really have to know what exactly we thought about it. You think about it. And he said, let me hear the song and I'll get back to you. And then he sent me this first draft of the script right after four days. Oh. And we were like shocked. Wow. He came up with a brilliant story. And uh, he asked me that if you want to improvise on the script, let me know. So I added some of my parts into the script. And I told him to improvise again. So script improvisation was a long process. But finally we came up with something interesting. So he said that we'll... Uh, the song to me is about... Uh, what's going to happen tomorrow when... the when we, we, when we won't be able to survive in this on this earth. Because the sun is like this. You know, all the, the way things are turning into these days. So it was it was amazing, and Niranjan's concept is quite dark, yeah, and yeah. surreal kind of filmmaking. It's yeah, amazing. For those who haven't seen it, I'm going to put it in the show notes for this. Now you've alluded a bit to this, so I'm going to throw this question uh, in your in your in your court. What do you feel are the pros and cons of being a studio band in India? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, uh, I have to... <laughs> do I really have to say this? Okay. 
So uh, till then, if you're up for it, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no. Uh, or just keep it. No, brief. no, it's it's no, no, it's a, it's a good question actually. It's a very good question. So the uh, the good thing about being a, a studio band is that you really focus in your songwriting. You get your freedom. Uh, you know, you know that the songwriting. Uh, there are multiple ways of songwriting. You can be in a jam room with your entire band, sit down. somebody comes with a riff somebody's playing with that and then you plan accordingly write it down and then compose the song and then you go to a producer and then get it produced arranged and mix mastered and release it and then after that you tour you do shows promoting the album that's the usual process of yeah. a band but in our case it's that uh, first of all we don't really get offers to play live uh so we tried it's not that we never tried we actually tried but the cost uh is so expensive that we thought that it's better we focus we use that cost in producing the music rather than playing and performing it live because you perform like suppose you have music and you are performing your songs live today mm. after my uh, i have a little uh, far vision with my music even after 10 15 years actually nobody is going to remember where are the venues what all shows you perform what is going to survive is the record the album wow that's a very different perspective uh. yeah actually now my one of my favorite bands is mahavishnu orchestra i have never seen them performing but i still love the record actually now that you are talking about that i also love mahavishnu um, yeah and John McLaughlin did uh, last year perform uh, Birds of Fire. Yes. And the only reason I went down to watch it's because I never had the And good amazing, fortune of watching Mahavishnu but yes. yeah man just seeing him or seeing a different band perform but yeah man. Yeah Mahavishnu uh, is one of my biggest inspirations. In fact the name Amok Symphony is inspired by Mahavishnu Orchestra that name. Wow. Because that that's something when I heard the name of the band Mahavishnu Orchestra like wow it sounds like no one else dude it sounds like it's just because when you use the word orchestra it can be anything true and, and that was the beautiful part about that band yeah yeah so that's okay. how we we yeah. we've kind of sidetracked <laughs> but <laughs> favorite my, band <laughs> my my uh, next question actually is linked to the previous one so you can continue on this yeah. is a big question i'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast is going to be wondering at this point of the interview is is it a possibility that we'll ever see a mog symphony live and for the promoters and everyone else listening what will it take oh man i'm i have to tell you this man any time i'm ready to play this stuff live <laughs> but uh, there are some cost like say uh, my bandmates tom Andre and Derek these guys cannot be replaced by any other musicians because they are unique in their own right and uh I don't like the idea of playing with backing tracks and stuff okay. because I'm myself a studio musician I'm a producer so it's it's something like you do not ask the cook in a big restaurant to make a s- amazing dish for himself <laughs> it doesn't make any sense right so this is the same thing if it's it's what's the point in playing with backing tracks if you know that you have actually included live musicians playing this part in the studio you produced it arranged it and the beauty of performing this entire piece live in front of people 
So I've been asked to play live with the backing tracks many times. I just simply refuse the idea because if I really have to perform, then I need the entire band, which means it's not just four of us. There will be a brass section. There will be a visual artist. So we need venues for that. We need someone who can fund for that. And especially in India, I'll be a little honest with that. Our sales, digital downloads, physical CD, uh, physical CD sales in India is almost... you can say neil like yeah. people most like even for the new album for uh, i think only one yeah only one guy from india i brought it i think he's from hyderabad if i'm not wrong he himself is a very good artist and there is no other pre orders it's mostly from europe us tokyo blah 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 right so it's again i'm not like complaining or something but it kind of uh, gives you a static that uh, way of market play, lies really yeah yeah it doesn't make sense if you perform it live doesn't guarantee that people are actually going to watch it because listening is a different thing and going and watching the shows is a different experience now there are many bands who sound amazing in the studio but when you find them in this in the live show they're playing it right they know how to play it but they it doesn't give you the right feel yeah and i think this is a huge uh, kind of debate i have also sometimes uh, when i go to watch bands is if i'm going to see the band play like a clinically uh, precise right performance of what they did in the studio is wouldn't i rather just sit and listen to the cd exactly. or something like that yeah. and considering also the high costs i feel about it's not just about okay buying your ticket you're also buying drinks i would also like to mention one thing that uh most of our songs are actually 60% improvisation wow the guitar solos the horn sections which means if we performs live it'll never ev- yeah it'll never sound the same the vibe will remain the same but the best part is if you want to witness that each and every show we'll play something else so for that you have to attend the shows and this kind of uh shows no one has offered us till till date and i think the biggest problem is getting my band members down to india and you know uh, the cost of uh, because one of us is uh, he's married with kids derek is married he who he has three kids of, i think yeah and uh, one of them is divorced but has two kids no wait three kids yes tom has three kids and uh, andre who is most of the time teaching Wow. So it's uh, you know touring doing the shows means full dedication yeah. and bringing these guys to India that's that's completely possible but we also need that kind of monetary you know I I don't see the point of expand you know putting so much money into that thing because we 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 our music is again accepted by a specific set of listeners not that uh, like we have a very super number of fans it's not like that it's not like your baby metal <laughs> <laughs> i love that band by the way oh, yeah, okay uh, so what's next i mean i know we've spoken for close to an hour now <laughs> what's next for mog symphony i mean i know we're talking now i'm not sure when exactly we'll release this whether it'll be out before the second part uh, of a mog symphony 4 is out but what's next after that for the band um well We, uh there's some limited edition cassettes are getting released nice of uh, both the parts as uh, 4.1 4.2 both we are still working on that 
and once we get the confirmation of uh, the print and everything we'll post about it i think by the time this thing goes out yeah so for all for all you <laughs> cassette collectors <laughs> or for all you amog symphony fans Because cassette only <laughs> who still has a tape deck if you do please message me <laughs> so this is someone from us wow he uh, he runs a record label and he wanted my uh, you know uh, what do you call uh, thought on this that do you think about it first actually he asked me to he asked my permission to make uh, cassette limited cassette editions 10 years of anniversary for um, abolishing the obsolete system the first album hang on and you said no yeah what <laughs> <laughs> no because i i so you know i was i'm a little uh, too personal in these things because i wanted to check everything whether it's a troll or someone is yeah. actually doing that so apparently he has a label and nice guy and uh, i asked him what if i ask you to make guesses for the new album he says that's even a better idea yeah. <laughs> so he said uh, yes we'll do this and we worked on the contract agreement and it should be up so yeah stay tuned for that anything else any merch anything yeah 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 we're working on the merchandise and i think uh, it should be out pretty soon okay and so uh, if if by the time this is out we'll add the links to it or we'll update or stuff like that but mm. uh, yeah man yeah. thanks thanks a lot it's always a pleasure talking <laughs> to you vishal same here peter uh, thanks it's, for taking time really, out uh, it's been a long time since we met and yeah. good time with yeah. you so good to see you all the best and thank you so definitely much. so for those uh, who haven't checked out the among symphony 4 check it out on all your digital platforms stay tuned for the merch or whatever they're coming out with uh, we'll update the links and uh, yeah horns up guys wow so just like uh the website amoksymphony.org and just like our lengthy introduction this interview was exhaustive and comprehensive peter the key takeaways what is that one big headline that screams out at you from this chat with vishal the best is yet to come like i said in the intro piece that we did so i feel that amog symphony is now moving further away from just being you know vishal jay singh a solo act to an actual band and with the involvement if you see how talented each member is i mean tom has his own uh, projects going he's played with defeated sanity and a bunch of other acts he was in obscura so definitely you'll see each one of them andre derek each one of them as they individually are such great composers and are so involved in music combined four of them this is like you know the a team if you want to call them <laughs> yeah it's it's i would yeah i mean it's it's almost on par with say a justice league of musicians of yeah. musicians right in yeah. terms of talent or an avengers level of a team yeah. in terms of talent um it's going to be interesting to see whether all of them stick together yeah and i'm wondering if even if they do like a one off i mean of course Vishal talked about the difficulties in all of them being together in one country or one place and the logistics of pulling off a live gig because he doesn't want to do just a run by the mill normal gig so yeah but it should be 
an experience i think amok symphony will draw people in bombay and bangalore yeah i you know beyond and pune yeah there would be a lot looking at you and at 7 and uh, bangalore tech fest that fest sorry bangalore open air <laughs> but yeah dude it, it would take quite a bit to make it happen but i'm sure it would be an experience that people will be talking about for years yeah to yeah and and yeah it'll be really outstanding to see that soundscape being pulled off live because i think that would be a challenge for these musicians and you know now one of the things that's really i think will be challenging more than anything else is you've got four albums to draw from so which exactly. songs are you going to play yeah. live yeah. i mean can you imagine listening to any of abolishing the obsolete system live oh i would love that but but yeah i would love to see uh four songs yeah. from four being played live too yeah, that would be crazy yeah okay so here's another one and this is the one that a lot of people are going to be having on their minds after they've heard four and stuff um is vishal still metal i think his sound may not be metal but the way that he goes about it and his whole attitude of really not caring what people think about is metal if that makes sense what is metal that actually has uh, sparked off a little thought in our little heads well actually more in peter's than mine and that's a really bad segue but it's a segue to something that we're going to be doing next week oh yeah dude this is i this has been on my mind and uh, you know a lot of times i mean i still remember having that conversation in the car with you is hey do you think this band is metal what about this one what about this one what about that one and i'm sure everyone in their bedrooms if not on chat rooms or at some point has been discussing or has their guilty pleasure which they think are metal or they want to say that yeah this band man come on look at the imagery they're metal so yeah i thought we we at least we thought it would be a great way to kind of discuss this and take it to public yeah and we're doing that really bad segue but whatever i think that ended up working out for us that's on cue for the next episode it's called metal or not and we've got someone who's certified metal with us yeah. on it i think for anybody who's been associated with indian metal or has come across indian metal probably know this person i don't yep. think we need much of an introduction for him yeah we'll just say cheers up and stay demonic oops oops <laughs> <laughs> oops i did it again anyways till the next time catch us on twitter we are at hans up pod i'm at asmoani and i'm trend crusher till next time hans up hans up <laughs>